We've talked about it on the show before. The energy a ring announcer brings to an event is monumental for not only the fans, but the fighters as well. Today, we're talking to the youngest ring announcer in the world, Cody Big Mo Momarts. We're going to learn about his story, his background in sports, and how he continues to push himself on his way to becoming the best ring announcer in the world. This is the Game Time Guru. So, what time is it? Game Time This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's up, everyone? Welcome out to another episode of the Game Time Guru Podcast. Amazing opportunities to hear from sports figures, you know, across the globe, worldwide. We get to hear from different people, hear about their stories. They share them with us, and um, it's it's awesome. This is an op- opportunity for me to learn from various individuals in the sports industry, whether they're athletes, former athletes, coaches, fans, players, or ring announcers. And uh, today, we get to uh, bring on... Cody Big Mo Momarts onto the show, the youngest ring announcer in the world. He's uh, going to share his story with us. But first, I got to say, Cody, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Hey, I appreciate the time, Shane. This is uh, this is going to be great. You know, I had some time to talk to you a little bit before we got on. And, you know, you're an avid sports fan, but you understand all aspects. And that's that's why I do ring announcing, man. It's for aspects that a lot of people don't recognize. So I'm excited to get to get talking about this, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. This is super cool for me, man. Um, a lot of people that, that are into the sports world, whether it be basketball, football, like the mainstream sports or even combat sports, they understand that there's like there's additional pieces to it that bring energy to the game, whatever it may be, to the sport of which they compete in. Um, the announcer is one of those. You know, you got fans, but the announcer <laughs> is so vital to the energy. Um, and I want to get to that point. But first, Cody, let's rewind in time to kind of get your sports background a little bit because yeah, now you're, you're doing ring announcing. We're going to get dive, dive really deep into that. But before that, talk to us about that. Did you, did you grow up competing in sports? And if so, like what ones did you, did you enjoy competing in? I was uh, very heavily involved in sports. It was a massive part of my life. Um, I grew up a very big individual, grew really fast. I'm obviously a big guy now. Um, so my first sports experience, obviously I was involved with the, the, you know, the youth soccer when I was a child and stuff like that. And I was growing so fast that my father was starting to recognize that I was having a poor, I was doing a poor job with spatial awareness and balance and that kind of stuff. So he actually got me into martial arts. Uh, I did Shotokan karate for about eight years, um, was able to train with some, I mean, world-class uh, black belts and senseis and shihans and hanshis. Um, my old training partner uh, by, is a kid by the name of Cameron Madani. Uh, the Madani family owned the dojo that I went to. Cameron was actually getting ready to represent in the Olympics uh, in Tokyo uh, because they added, I believe they added karate to this Olympics or at least to the next one. Uh, he's gone on to win Pan American game medals and that kind of stuff. So I was able to be around fantastic athletes at that dojo. Um, I started also doing team sports, basketball and football specifically. And as I continued to grow um, and as I got more invested in the team sports, I just started to 
I, I just got away from the martial arts aspect, um, which in hindsight, I do regret a little bit because I think I could have figured out a way to do both. But regardless, um, moved on to football and basketball. Uh, when, when I got into high school, you know, I quickly realized I had a chance to play football at the next level. Uh, ended up playing football at the Division One level at the University of Northern Colorado. Uh, played there for five years. Um, so, yeah, sports have been a massive, massive part of my life, the level of competition. I've always been a big fan of, of the camaraderie behind it, you know, when you have teammates. So, yes, sports has been a big part of my life. Man, I love that. And and just for the listeners out here, you know, you might be watching this on, on the YouTube video here where we got the video, or you might be listening to it on the audio version. But uh, Big Mo right here is the nickname. Now, now Cody, Big Mo, Mo Martz, yep. there's a reason – he says he's, you know, he's, he's a bigger stature guy. Tell us how big you really are, man, because the Instagram bio tells it, and I'm going to put that here in the bio, but while we're talking, how, how tall are you, man? I'm uh, about 6'7", uh, you know, about 200, right now, hovering around 220 pounds. So I'm a big guy. When I was playing football in college, I was about 6'7", 310. So I used to be even bigger than I am now, so... Wow. What position did you play in college, man? I was an offensive lineman. I played uh, tackle and guard. Wow. Okay. I wouldn't know. Let's see, see. Like, like that's cool to see me because there's a little bit of a transformation there post uh, college career. A little what bit. You, what would you say is the biggest lesson you learned in sports, like growing up, especially, you know, you, you played at a division one level. What was the biggest lesson you learned in sports um, through that time? I mean, it's the, the work ethic piece and the competitiveness I think is the most valuable from sports because it, it can really transfer to anything that you do. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things as to where uh, specifically playing at the college level or, or at least striving to play at the college level. So it's a rather advanced level of sports. So it takes an advanced level of effort and ability and, and uh, commitment to it. So I think what it comes down to the, the greatest lesson that I learned is being able to, to really hone in on something really, um, I don't know, I'm having trouble putting it into words, but, you know, really committing to something and, and giving your maximum effort, regardless of what you're doing. I mean, a lot of the lessons I learned in sports have carried me in what I'm doing in ring announcing. I'm just attacking it at a different pace, at a different level. I mean, you know, me personally, you know, I've said it in other interviews, but I don't like to settle with where I'm at. I'm consistently striving for the next thing. And a lot of that comes from sports because a thing that's taught in sports is, all right, if you want a game, great, on to the next one. You lost a game. Okay, on to the next one. You're consistently moving forward. You're consistently progressing. You're not settling for where you're at. So those are some of the things I've learned, learned from sports for sure. Awesome, man. I love to hear that. I, I always talk about how, you know, there's parallels, sports and life. And, and people think that's – some people think it's stupid of me saying that if they don't even understand sports. But the ones who do, they see that. And they might say, say it sounds cliche. That's why I like to ask the guests, you know, for you specifically, what did you learn? Because I've talked about it before too, Cody, like – even in team sports, you, you obviously learn teamwork and, and, you know, competing for something bigger than yourself that, that translate translates into real life. Um, mm -hmm. in individual sports, when I would, when I was boxing, I mean, you're, you're fighting for yourself at that point, but you also, I love how you just mentioned, like you win some, you, you move on, you lose, you move on. A lot of boxers. I always found even myself, like you get comfortable when you win, you win, you win, and you're always doing the same thing. Cause you found what works for you. But the crazy right. thing is you come up against a, a fighter who has a completely different style so to speak. Um, and you have to adjust and you might lose that one. So you have to figure out ways to adjust to a constant chess match. Well, in life, it's the same thing. There's mountains, there's valleys, um, good, bad, whatever, but you constantly have to adjust. Otherwise, if you get comfortable, 
the next person up is going to find a way to get there eventually. They're going to work yeah. hard and vin- eventually get there. So you've got to continuously improve. So I love exactly. that you said that, man. Exactly. Amen. So, amen. Yes. And <laughs> this little sermon that we're doing. Um, <laughs> so we, we want to talk about this now. This is the big part of of where you're currently at. You've got the sports background, even at the division one level, which I think is phenomenal. That could be a conversation in and of itself for a whole day. I, I, I think that's so awesome. And now you got in to ring announcing. Can you tell me real quick? Well, you don't have to be real quick. You can just tell me what got you into that? Like what made you want to be a ring announcer of all things, being a former athlete and everything? Well, what made you want to be a ring announcer? So I didn't want to be a ring announcer to be, <laughs> to be honest. No, no, no. It's not that I was actively against it. How, how it happened was I have always been very, very comfortable in front of people. Uh, speaking specifically. And I was taking public speaking classes in college, doing a really, really good job being able to present in front of crowds that started to scale. And I was looking at what I could do after college. And I've always been obsessed with entertainment. I'm the type of person that I like listening a reaction from people watching a reaction from people. You know, it's that kind of that sense of, uh, of euphoria almost of, of watching someone respond or react to something that you created or that you uh, elicited a reaction for. And so I got really into the entertainment industry, uh, movies, television, et cetera. And I studied business at the, at the collegiate level, got my undergrad and my MBA while I was at uh, Northern Colorado. And I knew that I wanted to obviously go into business, but I wanted to go into the entertainment side of business, uh, whether it been an agent, a manager, worked for a studio, who knows. And a couple events came up and I realized that I was, uh, had the ability to, to host, to MC events. I was able to MC a few events, banquets, award shows, galas, even a couple smaller meetings. And I quickly realized I was like, I'm, I'm re- pretty damn good in front of people. Yeah. I'm, comfor- I'm comfortable. I don't need cards. I can memorize things. I know how to, I know how to improvise if necessary. And so one of my friends said, you know, have you ever thought about doing commentary before and the sports commentary? And no, I I had never thought about that. Um, And at the time I was so burnt out with football and basketball. I played them my whole life. This was after my senior year of college. And I was just like, just so tired of the team sports stuff. Still love them to this day, but I was tired of it. But I was like, you know what? I love combat sports. I was a massive fan of the UFC. I was Often, honest, a fan of the sport of boxing. I've become much more a fan of the sport of boxing. I, I definitely love boxing, but at the time, I was really a UFC and MMA fan. And I said, I could, I think I could try commentary for combat sports. So I'm the type of person that I'll try anything, and I will try to call anyone or talk to anyone. I'll shoot my shot with anything. And my mindset is the worst that someone can say is no. So I had heard about Sparta Sports Entertainment, which is the promotion that I announced for out of Colorado, because uh, I knew a couple people in the area that fought for him. I'd seen, you know, logos and belts everywhere. So I was like, let me give him a call. So I gave him a call, got a hold of the, the the founder and CEO, Jeff Cisneros. And I said, hey, Jeff, my name is uh, my name is Cody. At the time, I think I was 23. I believe so. I was like 23 years old. I want to get into this. Do you have any, you know, do you have anything available for the entertainment side, for the media side? And he's like, yeah, we're actually looking for uh, an on-air personality commentator. He's like, why don't you come down and audition and that kind of stuff? And I said, well, can I also audition for the ring announcer? And he's like, sure, but we have a guy. And I was like, all right, cool. So I came down to the studio, uh, auditioned for both. Did pretty, I did, I did pretty well uh, at the commentary side. Um, 
I knew I knew the I knew the sport enough to be able to break it down to analyze it. I'm obviously not on the same level as some people are, and I definitely wasn't at that time. But what I was really going more for is the energy and the excitement side of things. The uh, the entertainment side is really what I focus on. And so did that audition for the ring announcer, and they said, "All right, you know, we'll get back to you." Jeff invites me down to the next show. Uh, I get there and. I always dress as if I'm ready to work. So I showed up in a suit and everything and just to make an impression, he goes, all right, well, it looks like you're ready to work. Do you want to hop on commentary tonight? Keep in mind, I've never commentated a live event <laughs> literally in my life at this point. And I was just like, yeah, let's ride, let's roll. And so uh, he had me do the undercard um, uh, alongside a, a good friend of mine, J.R. Gordon, who taught me a lot, uh, sat down with him. And started just breaking down fights. And looking back, it's it's interesting because I just did a, in my opinion, a terrible job. But that's how I should be feeling. I should be feeling like I've improved a lot. So I did commentary for a while, did a couple shows, and I was doing a good job. And uh, with the excitement side, because that's really what they wanted from me is they wanted some some pop, some color, some you know some some entertainment, really, some energy. And I was doing a good job with that. And Jeff knew that I wanted to be the ring announcer, at least take a shot at it. And he said, all right, well, you've been doing a good job. How about you announce the undercard of our next fight? And I was like, let's go. Like, pumped up. I was excited. Uh, show up, and I had to do four fights. And at the time, I knew the kind of energy that I wanted to have. I saw what Bruce Buffer was doing. I wanted to take some stuff from him. I wanted to combine different stuff from different ring announcers and kind of craft what I was doing. And I came out way over the top. I mean, I, I almost lost my voice after four fights because at the time I, I was very poor at, you know, I was very, I was very throaty. I wasn't doing anything from the diaphragm. I was just going, I didn't know how to build anything. I was going just way over the top with it all. Um, but I did it. And at the time, obviously looking back, I don't think I was very good, but what I was doing was new. And a lot of the crowd hadn't, hadn't felt that before. Um, the old ring announcer that just wasn't a style. And so this was kind of new and everything. And I think it made Jeff kind of go, all right, we might be on to something here. This kid might have something. Um, so I got a couple more shows where I could, uh, did some stuff with airtight boxing. And then I became the full fledged announcer and here we are. <laughs> and that was about, I think I've been announcing now for 18 months. Wow. Okay. So a couple things to unbox. Yeah, that, I know that was a long story. <laughs> oh, I, I, and I like that. I love the story. This is this is what it's all about, man. So you just keep sharing the stories because this is what we like. A um, couple of things. The first thing I want to point out to to anybody who's listening is how, you know, you took advantage of opportunities that were presented. Like the commentating, for example, it wasn't something that you were familiar with. It wasn't something that you had necessarily done, but you took advantage of that just as an opportunity to, to do that. I've been talking to a lot of people lately, especially in the last two, three months, about taking advantage of opportunities when they present themselves, especially in your field of work. And one of those for me was play-by-play -play broadcasting. I've got a little bit of experience doing it, but yep. two and a half months ago, I was presented with an opportunity to do some play-by-play -play broadcasting. Like, hey, do you mind come doing doing one of the JV games for basketball at a local high school? And I'm like, sure, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, didn't, I was like, it's JV. No one's going to be watching this thing, whatever. But I went and did it. But because of that one opportunity, and I thought I did terrible too. So I'm relating to your story. I thought I did terrible, but because of that opportunity, I built a relationship with the guy who runs the company, which then presented me with another opportunity, which then got me a payday last week when I did the state championship games. And then I didn't do the state games next week. We'll get me another payday. And it just, it, it goes and you never know what can come of it. If you take advantage of those opportunities and actually just go out there and sometimes it's outside of your comfort zone. Cause 
commentating is a little different than announcing, um, yeah. but it still gets you in the into the sphere and the networking and the and the relationship building that you need. And you took advantage of that, so I commend you for that. First off, secondly, I wanted to do a follow up question <laughs> about this announcing because I've always wondered when I'm watching these guys who are in there and you're talking about like yelling from your throat, there's a, there's an art to it. It's not just in there just like screaming your head off. Cause you can lose your voice. So talk to me about, you know, you've learned since then in the last 18 months, probably like, you know, how to like be more efficient with your, your, your speaking and whatnot and be more powerful and just present. But what do you go through any warmups or anything of that nature as an announcer? Like how do you pre prepare yourself and your voice and your energy to make sure you're giving it your all without like killing yourself, so to speak? Fantastic question. I first want to address what you said. First off, 100% right with wrong with an opportunity that presents your, presents itself. Congratulations to you. You did the same thing. Appreciate but it. I can tell you also from experience that when I got started with doing entertainment stuff, again, like I said, I did not expect to do commentary or ring announcing. If anything, I'd be interested in acting uh, and, and that type of work. Well, I've, I rolled with the ring announcer stuff. It's open doors for me to get acting work. I do voice acting work. I've done some on-camera acting work because they've seen that I can be on camera to do commercials and promos as a ring announcer. Clearly, that comfortability can transfer over into acting and that kind of stuff. So again, like you said, regardless of what door opens, I mean, we're on this planet for a while. And a lot of days that we have to live, take a shot at something, it could go horribly i have no idea but it also could create something that you didn't know expected before so 100 right roll with the doors that open to you be safe i mean don't get me wrong like don't just jump into something head first at least look around a little bit and see what you're getting into but give it a shot the worst that could happen is that it doesn't work for you and you move on to something else so 100 agree there um in response to your question about uh the practicing Practicing isn't a huge part of what I do, uh, but I know you brought up warming up. Warming up is um, <clears throat> I warm up in the car in the drives to uh, the fights and I probably look like a crazy person if someone ever looked into my car window. I'm just like screaming at the top of my lungs. Um, but there is a bit of practicing, um, you know, warming up the vocal cords, warming up enunciation. Uh, I've done a little bit of uh, I, I've, I've found videos online that are intended for singers to at least practice some things. Um, something I look to, to add to the next development of myself as a ring announcer is I do want to start working with like opera training coaches, uh, to get an idea of how to get my voice to carry. Um, because I think, you know, at the current time I've adapted and evolved a lot with how my voice has been structured, but I know that I still have more to unpack from it. And I know that I can still do more to train it to where I don't have to quite yell as much. Um, I've definitely toned that down and still been able to get the kind of sound and the volume that I want, but I do think I could do more. So yeah, warming up is important and, and voice maintenance is important and getting it more from the diaphragm versus the throat is important. So yes, short answer. <laughs> oh, I love it though. Okay. Okay. So big Mo, that's, that's the name, right? That's the name you go by. Tell me a little bit about that. Did that come from before when you were playing football as a 300 pound lineman, or is that an <laughs> announcer, you know, is that shifted into your announcer, your, your name in announcing, I should say. No, that's it. hundred percent came from football. I started being called that in high school. Uh, teammates in college started calling me that as well. So when I was ring announcing and when I got involved in entertainment, you know, everything that I've done in ring announcing has come at, uh, something you'll ever find out about me is I'm very uh, OCD in the sense that I love learning and I love organization. And so what I've done is, is I've done a ton of research on ring announcers, both ones that were 
from decades ago to ones that are today and everything in between. And what I've done is I, I've taken a holistic view of it all. And I've seen what's been done right, in my opinion, what's been done wrong. And a lot of what I look for is what is uh, followed by the fans, what elicits a reaction from the fans, what do the various stakeholders in the community like? Really, when you look at the, the sport of combat, whether it be boxing, whether it be MMA, Muay Thai, kickboxing, whatever, you have various stakeholders. And the entertainment side and the ring announcer is one of those stakeholders. He or she is a very important part of the sport in terms of the production, in terms of you know building an audience and growing it and everything. And so what I was doing is I was looking at ring announcers and I was saying, okay, this, this has done well for this individual. This has done well for this individual. This is eh, maybe not as good from this individual. And I started to just build everything upon itself. And I've also looked for opportunities where someone hasn't done something in the past. So something that I was looking at is I was looking at my name and as much as I love my name, again, it's very difficult to pronounce. I don't want that to happen. I don't want to have someone who's either watching me announce or wants to follow me be hung up on how to, who is he? Is he Cody Mo, Momer, Moma? Simplify it, cut it out, two syllables, big Mo. It's simple, it's remembered, it's easy. People know who I am when they see me. It's just a lot, a lot simpler with everything. And that's really what I've done with, with everything, whether it be the sunglasses, whether it be, you know, how I dress, how I present myself, how I announce as, as I'm trying to find places that I can be remembered. A, a perfect story. This is one of my favorite stories um, is I got done with a show and this, uh, this fan came up to me. Uh, she was an older lady and uh, she goes, I've been to a lot of fights before and I love fights and, and I think you should take the sunglasses off. And I go, okay. And I go, okay. Okay. Like, you know, why do you, why do you think that? And she goes, well, she listed out two, three reasons why she didn't like them. And I go, oh, okay, ma'am. So I knew where she was from. So I knew some of some of the promotions she had seen. One was a bigger promotion. One was a smaller promotion. And I go, all right, ma'am. I asked what her name was. And I go, what were the names of the ring announcers at those shows that you saw? And she goes, oh, I don't know. And I go, okay, what's my name? And she goes, you're Big Mo or whatever. And I go, exactly my point is that for every reason that you think that I'm, you know, that you don't like about me is also the reason that you remember me. That's the key thing here is I'm very new to this industry. I'm trying to carve out as much market share, market share. That's the business side of me, whether it's market share, followers, fans, you know, who I announce for, whatever. I'm trying to carve out as much as I can for myself. So in that, I need to do things that make people remember me. So sunglasses <laughs> is one of them, right? So Again, everything that I've tried to do is, is be taking things that have worked for other announcers. How can I shape them a little bit? What can I add to it? Because when you look at it, I, I don't want to have any negatives in my game. I'm a perfectionist. I'm trying to be the best. When I, when I start something, when I go after something, I want to be the best that ever did it. I, I shoot for the moon with everything that I do. I don't know how to, I don't know how to aim for here. I aim for here. And so with that being said, I, I don't want to have any negatives in my game. I don't want to have any weaknesses in my game. So I take what's worked for other people and add a little bit of unique flair to it. And if I discover that something isn't working, I'm off it. So, man, I love that. I love that whole story too. Like, Hey, you know, you're remembered for a reason. You know, remember the name. It's, I think that's awesome. And what's another thing that I, that I appreciate and respect about you is your ability to handle criticism in, in a, in a way of like, okay, let me hear you. Let me hear you out real quick. Okay. 
and then you provide your your you know your counter to that if you will i right. like that and, and in your position you've got to be i mean i guess my question is do you have to have thick skin because you will have to deal with some of those i'm sure is that the like i mean you you're out there you're in the public sphere so people get to see you and they can criticize i mean i'm probably guilty of it myself when i'm listening to announcers that I think have no energy and I like, I'll say something like, Oh my gosh, dude, or so-and-so is doing this fight or something. You know, I'm, I'm just naturally like that as a, as a fan. So no. I'm sure there's others out there. How do you handle that? So no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And what a lot of people don't realize about ring announcers specifically um, <clears throat> is the ring announcer is actually the most prominent individual on camera for a fight promotion. So when you think about it, and, I, and I've talked to this with people before, because I am obsessed with the entertainment side of combat sports. I that is, I have studied it. I have analyzed who's been great at it from a fighter level, from a commentator level, announcer level. I mean, the, the UFC is, is doing these promos and sinking all these dollars into marketing because it works. The energy and excitement behind fighting is so uniquely different than any other sport because of the violence of the sport. And the fact that it's one-on-one, -on -one. there are very few one-on-one -on -one sports. There are very few sports where it's an entire crowd of people watching two individuals. It's very, very rare. So with that being said, with the ring announcer, when you look at a fight, there's four people in a ring. There's two fighters at a time, one referee. And then at the beginning and the end, there's an announcer. But here's what people don't realize. The announcer is the most consistent person on camera during a fight promotion. Obviously, the fighters are only there for their fight and maybe an interview, maybe a pre-fight promo, and the referees alternate. So the ring announcer is the only individual that is consistently there the entire time. So with that being said, the real skill of a ring announcer isn't announcing names. It isn't, uh, you know, reading anything out or, decide, or reading who the winner was. And you said this in your interview with Bruce. I was watching it and listening to it. And you were 100% right. The ring announcer has to carry an event. The ring announcer has to establish authority. This is the same with true with any type of public speaking, establish authority and know how to carry the, uh, the level of excitement of an event. A ring announcer has their finger on the entire audience and what they say, how they say it can completely affect and change reactions. And, you know, do you pause before reading a split decision? Does that build suspense? How do you announce the co-main event? to build for the main event? How do you announce the very first fight? How do you introduce the event? All this stuff plays into it. So with that being said, with how visible a ring announcer is, it is not uncommon for people to like and to very dislike. And I mean, it is, you know, it's, it's so crazy. And the sunglasses are going to be my example with this because upon visual I think I have a few things that set me apart visually from other individuals, the other ring announcers, but the sunglasses is one that's very noticeable. There are some people that hate it. I mean, that just hate it. Unbelievable. Like it, 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 it's like it completely, you know, but at the same time, in my opinion, I have found way more people that love it. I've been able to build a social media following pretty quickly that I'm growing on a daily basis it's just the sunglasses are just something unique. And the thing is, is that what people don't realize is you never know what's going to be the thing that people love about you or people remember about you, even if it's hated in the beginning. I mean, for example, again, Bruce Buffer is the example. Bruce Buffer was really one of the first ring announcers to really come out with this exciting, you know, just booming level of entertainment. For a long time, ring announcers were more classic 
They were more smooth. It was more conversational. It was more talking. Bruce was the first one to really just let it rip. It's the same thing. I guarantee you he got flack from people that were old school fight fans that didn't like that, but that's now his thing. So you never know what's going to be your thing. And the sunglasses for me, and again, it's the same thing. In the beginning, it was hated by people. Why are you wearing sunglasses? Take the sunglasses off. Now, getting ready to make merchandise. People po- people love wearing the sunglasses. People at the shows wear their sunglasses. It's something I remembered for. So again, it, it's about, you know, every day you just got to pound the stone because you never know when something's going to catch on. And, and the sunglasses aren't going anywhere. I mean, unless I, you know, some promotion down the road wants me to take them off, whatever. But right now it's working. Sparta loves them. You know, we were, at, uh, me and, and, and Jeff at Sparta, we did joke commercials back and forth about the sunglasses. It's now a marketing thing. I mean, it's awesome. It's, you never know what's going to work for you. Man. Oh, I just, this is the stuff I geek out about, man. Like right? I, I love it. I have an immense amount of respect for people like you. This is what I'm talking about. Listeners out there, pay attention. You know, like this is, you can set yourself out, like be true to yourself, be unique and be okay with that. Like, that's all right. I can relate in so many aspects, man. Four years ago when I started the show, I mean, I, I graduated college when I was 28. So I was a little older when I got my bachelor's degree. I took the whole like go part-time, work full-time, that whole shebang. And when I finally started my show is when I was graduating from college. And so many people, like you had the fit, first wave of people like, oh, that's cool. He's got a podcast. I'm like, no, I'm doing something more with it. It's not just another podcast. I'm actually building this out. I really want to take this to the next level. You know, about a year into it, two years into it, you lose followers because like, ah, uh, well, Shane's really not going to do anything with that. Not going to do anything with that. F- flash forward another two years. We're four years down the road right now. And I'm like, okay, I've got merchandise. I've got a brand that's that's been built. Um, I've been downloaded in 88 different countries over 62,000 times. It's been heard. Like, wow. that's the kind of thing, you know, and you're, you're, we're, we're pulling on guests like yourself, like hearing people's stories. And I sit back there and I think, yeah, if I would have just stopped because people hated on it, you know, like, oh, GTG, that's not very catchy. Now it's like people will be like, oh, GTG, they'll see me at a basketball game locally here. They'll be like, Game Time Guru. I'm doing my broadcasting the other night and they're calling me the Game Time Guru because I've got my shirt on and they're like, yo, GTG, Guru's in the yep. house. Like just little things like that. You, you sit there back, you sit back and think, okay, had I quit because people didn't like it and I wasn't true to myself and just and what I believed in my vision, then what would the, what, I wouldn't be here. Same thing with your what you're saying there with this the sunglasses inside, which, by the way, you said the merch is coming, so you don't have that shirt oh, yeah. available yet? No, I'm getting ready to, getting ready to make some merchandise. Oh, dude. A you ring announcer to- selling merch, man. Who would have I, – I've talked to my followers, and they're like, we would love a shirt, like blah, blah, blah. So, oh, I'm um, buying yeah. a shirt, so you let us know so I can – Oh, I got you. Man. I, I got to get a shirt from you, man. So you let us know the link when it's ready, <laughs> and I'll, I'll shoot it out too because I'll be buying one from you because I – so I was – before you even told the story, you jumped on here. I'm like, this is great, and I'm glad that you even got into the discussion <laughs> about it because I saw the I saw the shirt, so I'm like, this is, this is awesome. Um, and I love that you you referenced, you know, Bruce Buffers, like where he's at now. Obviously, he's at the top of the the line when it comes to ring announcing him alongside his his half brother, Michael. Um, I mean, they're two iconic figures in ring announcing. And, you know, yeah, Bruce was unique, very, very yeah. unique um, in what he did. What's also interesting is, you know, you've got your your side to you that's like similar in that regard, because ring announcers are entertainers. They're entrepreneurs. It's just kind of like this whole like thing, because that's how Bruce is, too. So it just makes yep. me smile. Okay. So I got to ask you this question. Um, you're, yes. you're announcing. You get in there. Have you ever had tough names to announce? And have has there any be, ever been any slip ups? Or how do you go about like when you have a tough name to read? 
what do you ever panic or how do you go about making sure that you don't screw up the name? Because I just had an experience where I screwed up a name for an entire first quarter of a basketball game um, before I realized that I needed to, to, you know, correct that, which was super embarrassing. And I made sure I uh, corrected myself like 5 million times apologizing the other night about it. But uh, how do you go about doing those tough names? Cause in fighting they they come from all walks of life, man. So they're from different yep. countries, different areas. And, and some of those names are hard to pronounce. So great question. Um, First, yes, I have. Uh, I believe I, I actually track this because I'm a perfectionist. I've made two mistakes with names in my life um, in terms of fumbling over a name live. I don't believe mispronouncing a name is a mistake if you don't make it seem like a mistake. This is a point of public speaking that a lot of people don't realize is that when a crowd is watching you, a lot of the times they don't know what's right or wrong. They're looking for, they, they more resonate with energy more so than what you're saying, right? So, for example, uh, I made one mistake once where I uh, introduced this person and their vowel, I did the long sound of the vowel, vowel when I shouldn't on the short sound of the vowel. But I delivered the name the same. Crowd still got energized. Fighter still got energized. I apologized to him at the next card when he told me how his name should have been pronounced because I realized that the last one I did it wrong. So I'm glad that I've made very few mistakes, but something that's been a benefit for me is I've always really enjoyed language and I've always paid attention to how certain names and certain parts of names are said, uh, regardless from, uh, you know, origin of the name and that kind of stuff. For example, I can pronounce Spanish names pretty well. I can roll my R's. I've gotten props for that on my social media. I can roll my R's. I know how to how to pronounce vowels differently if it's an Eastern European name. That stuff's always just came very easy to me. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know if there was something in my childhood that made me pay attention to it, but I've always been able to pronounce names very well. Um, but ultimately, if, if for some reason I've ever found myself in a ring and I looked at the name before I said, and I go, wait, how do I say this again? It's, it's rare that it's happened, but I've gotten there. I'd say, pronounce it how you think it's pronounced and just deliver it as if it was perfect. And if you mispronounce a vowel, it's okay. Don't make the mistake next time. But in the case that you make a mistake, it's okay. Still deliver it. Still get the crowd reaction from it and keep rolling. I love that, man. Super cool. Uh, good info information, too, for people who are perfectionists, you know, and you're worried. Just <laughs> go out there and it's the energy behind it. And the reason I even bring that up is fight fans around the world kind of understand. I, like, I don't think the fight fighters truly care as long as your energy is good. And, you know, it, it, as long as you don't completely butcher the name and uh, most of them understand too, like, especially if they're coming from a different origin, they understand that it's going to be pronounced in like 5 million different ways, depending on the person who's saying it. Um, I lived in Brazil for two years. And when I was there, you know, there's always that, like they pronounce their J's differently than Spanish does, you know, like right. J in Spanish is like an H. Whereas in Brazil, it's like Joao, like it's saying John, it's Joao. And so, you know, with the age. And then there's a, a couple different things like Juan versus Juan. Like, it's just weird. Um, but, uh, you know, and the R's and everything is different. So it's, 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 it's a skill set. I don't think people realize you have to have is a ring announcer. Like you've got to like, you know, do your best to understand these differences and, and you do the, you go the extra mile of trying to like, at least you understand languages. You kind of understand the majority of it and you roll your R's and the, the cool things like that. And I think that has an impact on it. You don't have to be perfect, but it does have an impact. There's, a lot that goes into it than just jumping into the ring and screaming out people's names. Like it's, there's a lot that goes into, into yeah. all of that. 
Um, I do have a question for you too, man. Uh, do you have any taglines? You know, Bruce Buffer always says it's time. And we talked about that on the show about why he says it's time. Then there's Michael Buffer, his, his half brother. Let's get ready to rumble. There's a lot of guys. Um, I, I, who is it? Is it Mergliata? I can't remember who, who the other announcer is in the UFC. What, um, I might have butchered Joe, his name. Joe, Joe Martinez. Uh, Martinez. There we go. Um, and I think he says, uh, five fans, are you ready? It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Do you have a tagline or anything of that nature that you kind of use? I do. Um, I have two that I'm that I'm kind of working with. Uh, I like to open the shows with, can you hear me? And then I go, can you hear me? Can you hear me? And I help. And that builds everything that gets people comfortable with getting loud and excited is, again, this comes back to public speaking. I love public speaking. Very first thing that I try to do as soon as the show starts is at least set the table for the kind of energy that we want. Right. I, this is the kind of energy that I want. This is not this isn't a ballroom. This is a this is an arena. This is a fight. I want everyone excited. I want everyone drinking. I want everyone going crazy. So I do that to typically open the shows. And then for main events, um, it, it's more drawn out. I'm trying to figure out ways to chop it down. But the tagline itself is get wild or let's get wild. Again, build that same kind of energy, build that same kind of excitement. I'm always talking about fans drinking, getting out of their seats, that type of thing. Um, it's all about knowing who the audience is. And with fights, I know who the audience is for the most part. Um, so it's about knowing who your audience is and knowing how you can say certain things to elicit the reaction that you want. So so cool, man. So awesome. And I apologize. <laughs> I butchered. See, I, I, I mentioned the referee Mer Dan Mergliata yeah. compared to John Martinez the announcer see I was getting them all flip-flopped that's my my apologies there but dude you you know the names of these guys you've studied these announcers can you tell me mm -hmm. uh, your top three ring announcers that you kind of you, you feel are at the top of their game that you've you know taken some tips and tricks from most certainly um <clears throat> I mean I, I in my opinion uh the top the top two in my opinion are the Buffer brothers I think that they are phenomenal at what they do i also do want to point out that announcing mma and boxing is different uh it is a different style of event in terms of how it's built how it's how it's built build and built b-i-l-e-d how the fight is built and then b-u-i-l-t how it's built but it's a very different style of announcing so michael is phenomenal in boxing and then bruce is uh phenomenal in mma i do think that both of them could flip-flop and still do a fantastic job um and, and the, so those in my opinion are the top two but then you have other people across the world that are fantastic um in various aspects i mean uh, david diamante in boxing is great uh jimmy lennon jr in boxing is fantastic uh so you have a lot of people that are unique in their own regard um and i think are very very solid at their job um so yeah that's the, the buffers are, are in my opinion the, the top two Absolutely. I think, yeah, they, they, they've done their work and they just show up there. They, they definitely no. have been working and, and made the, their mark, but yeah, there's other ones out there too. And Hey, give it a couple of years and your name's going to be right there. It's already gaining the steam sunglasses inside. You know, we, we already know who you are, big Mo. So let's, let's, right. keep, that, let's keep that rolling. Um, hundred percent. One thing I've talked to announcers about too, and, and even other fighters, when I brought fighters onto the show, we've talked about this before you 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 are the most consistent person in in that you know sphere on TV on camera in the in the arena because you're there every single fight you're you're announcing every fight you're announcing the post fight you're giving the results 
but the the fighters sometimes have a personal you know they feel that connection to the announcer as well um buffer bruce buffer talks about it too like when because he's allowed to like he gets like you were mentioned he's like into it very exciting he gives them fist bumps some of the fighters really like to like they love the announcing so they jump yep. in there with him and he's doing a 360 spin for those who don't know bruce buffer actually blew his knee out i think it was george st pierre's fight he did a 360 blew his knee out towards acl on that once um it's a really funny story but anyways he gets into, he jumps, he gives fist bumps and so forth. And the fighters, some fighters really have a personal connection. Do you have any experiences like that where you have a personal connection with some of the fighters at the local levels? Most certainly um, for a few reasons. So first and foremost, I always go into the locker room before the fights. Uh, not, I don't talk to every fighter. I talk to the ones that I might need to double check their name or the information I did, I get might've been missing, you know, where they're from and that kind of stuff. Um, but I'm very respectful of fighters. Um, that is something that I got called out for once. Uh, someone on social media said that I wear sunglasses and that's disrespectful to fighters. Very much disagree. Um, I can tell you that I am uh, incredibly respectful of what these fighters do. In my opinion, combat sports is the hardest sport on the planet. I have an athletic background. I understand what the fighters are going through. I've trained with fighters in the past. I'm going to be you know, hopefully I, I want to get into, into fight training for no other reason than cardio. I'm not sure if I'll ever step into the ring, but I have a deep respect for what these fighters are doing. They are doing something that very few people on this planet could do. Um, and so I always talk to the fighters. I have a great connection with the fighters because in my opinion, I do understand at some capacity what they're going through because I've done it. I've never done a fight camp, but I've done fall camp for, for college football. So I do understand the parallels between my experiences and what they're going through. And so I, I am always talking to the fighters. I'm always in there talking to them while they're warming up and, you know, dapping them up and seeing how things are going. And I always have fighters that are messaging me before the fights because I do a ton of promotion and I'm always tagging the fighters that are going to be fighting in, in, in the upcoming fights. And then I always share clips and footage and I'm always tagging the fighters and I get a conversation going. And I'm very, in my opinion, I'm a lot more interactive in the community than other announcers are because of my presence on social media. I use social media probably more than most announcers do in the sense of I'm actually commenting and I'm, I'm engaging with posts on other, you know, um, uh, on, on other pages. And I'm getting into conversations with people, never with the intention of argument or fighting. And I usually try to stay out of that. But the majority, the, the source of what I talk about is either talking about respect for the fighters or the entertainment side of the sport, because of those, those two things that I take a lot of pride in. So I am deeply involved in the community and I have great relationships with the fighters uh, on various levels. So that is awesome, man. And I'm sure the fighters appreciate that, man. They, they appreciate yes. that you actually care about what they're doing because then they feel that you're not just out there announcing you actually you know them. I, I feel the same way about like play-by-play broadcasting when I'm doing that too. And, and anybody I'm listening to doing it, I'm like, if you know a little bit about the players that you're talking about, right? Like the people at home can hear that. They, they sense that the players, when they rewatch the film, they sense that they're like, okay, they know a little bit about us. They care enough to know a little bit about us. You know what I mean? Right. They've done the research. I, I, I commend you for that as well. Um, I, Man, there's just so so many things I wanted to pick your brain. I know I, I'm I'm running out of time here with you, man. I just wanted to ask you a few more questions if you don't yeah, mind. Take your time, man. Take your time. <laughs> I'm like geeking out about this. Uh, <laughs> that so currently, you know, you're 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 pronounced. You're, sorry, you're announcing fights at a localer level, like a smaller promotions, so to speak, quote unquote, smaller promotions. But I want to hear, you know, they're not mm -hmm. like. The, the, people don't understand this. I don't think they, they look at the UFC and they're like, Oh, well they got like 40,000 fans, 50,000 fans. But usually like, even when you go to local events, like myself uh, here in Idaho, we have front street fights, which is a, a local mm -hmm. promotion. Um, and we get, you know, we'll 
3,500 to 5,000 fans sometimes at that. And I love it. It's in downtown Boise. Very nice little compact arena that we go into. And it's loud. It's it's exciting. It's just exciting. But people that don't go to the fights, they just see it on TV. They're like, oh, that's nothing. That's not exciting. I, I disagree. I think it's just as exciting there. I mean, it's not the same type of fighters, but it's awesome. It's, I, I, love, I love combat sports. I love the energy around it. I'm curious, though, for you, like, what's your... What's the biggest event you've done? And what's your favorite arena to even at the, the quote unquote smaller promotions? Like what's your favorite arena to uh, announce in so far? So a uh, few things. You're hundred percent right with what you said. Uh, fight promotions. All fight promotions can get a big fighter. It, it's not a lot of people look at it as similar to other sports where there's the NFL and then there's everything below it. That's not how fight promotions work. Right. And I actually was having this conversation because um, Michael Chandler went from Bellator to the UFC and he was getting a ton of flack from UFC fans saying, he doesn't belong here. They're already putting him in the title contention. This is before he fought. And I go, time out, hold, hold. That, that's not how fight promotions work. He just signed a deal with Bellator instead of the UFC. That's the only difference, right? And so he transferred to the UFC and he won his fight and knocked out Dan Hooker in the first round. So the point is that there's great fighters everywhere. Now, yes, I believe that there are the top, you know, promotions and then there are ones that are underneath it. But the notion that, you know, somehow it's it's an inferior, uh, I disagree with that. But biggest of fight I've ever announced, uh, I was able to announce this is a crazy story. So we've been hosting our events since July. We took a hiatus uh, because of COVID, uh, but we hosted events in Wyoming. And the commissioner of uh, Wyoming Combat Sports is a guy named Brian Pedersen, and he's very innovative, and he is a risk taker, and he wants to do crazy stuff. And so he and I obviously have a great relationship because we attack things the same way, uh, same with Jeff Sparta. And so he wanted to start hosting more and more bare-knuckle events. So we were actually – we hosted the first-ever bare-knuckle MMA fight in history. That was a big fight for me to announce. Um, and then we actually hosted the first-ever Lethway fight on American soil, which was also a big fight uh, for me to announce. And then that fight did so well. And we did a lot for the sport of Lethway that Dave LaDuke, who's the world champion of Lethway, saw it, found it, bought the pay-per-view and watched it so much so that he's always wanted to fight in America, but there were no states that were legalizing Lethway or, or allowing it. Wyoming did. And we hosted the world championship for Lethway uh, between Dave LaDuke and the rematch with Cyrus Washington. We hosted that back in November. Um, so that is probably the biggest fight that I've did the entire damn near the whole country. Me and Mar tuned in. I think we had like a million people view it on Facebook live and yeah, it's getting a lot of views on YouTube, but because it, they're so invested in that sport on that side of the world, uh, whether it be areas like Thailand or Myanmar or, or countries like that. And so that in terms of scale was the biggest fight that I've done for sure. Uh, favorite arenas. I mean, the bigger, the better for me. I'm the type of person that I want the biggest stage as possible. So Budweiser Event Center has been one that I've loved to announce that in the past. Um, but, you know, me, I'm the type of person where it's not going to change my game. I'm going to deliver how I'm going to deliver, regardless if you put me in a closet or if you put me in, you know, an Olympic stadium. It doesn't change anything for me. Um, so I'm always trying to get I'm always trying to to, to elevate where I'm announcing and, and the size and to which I'm announcing. Um, so, but Budweiser Event Center is probably the, the, my favorite that I've been able to announce that so far. Gosh, man, you've had some cool opportunities. The sport of Lethway, yeah. just as an FYI, so in, like what a coincidence. I was just talking two weeks ago, a friend of mine in Canada was talking to me. He's a, he's a work friend of mine. 
and he was he was talking to me about Lethway and how he's a huge fan of combat sports as well. But he's giving me the whole rundown of the history of it. I'm like, man, I need to have yep. somebody on my show. And he's talking about Leduc, and he's talking yep. about everything here. And I'm like, I found myself going down a rabbit hole that day. This is like two or three weeks. Ago. I'm I'm in the middle of work, and I'm watching YouTube videos. Caught myself in a rabbit hole of just like studying Lethway. So it's crazy. Um, I actually saw that fight. I like I was looking at that. So that's so weird when you said that. I'm like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> okay hold on like now i'm going back and this is crazy like this odd coincidence that this happened uh but yeah that was what stemmed that whole thing so i need to actually get some fighters that uh do the lethway fights um it's on, crazy on man oh, it's, it's, it's a different it's a different you know the, that's the that's the amazing thing about combat sports is they're all very different muay thai is very different than kickboxing kickboxing is very different than boxing boxing is very different than lethway um but Again, this is this is the beautiful thing about combat sports is even though there's differences between the sport, the energy and the entertainment is still there. I announced a Lethway fight. OK, no one in America, for the most part, knew what Lethway was. We were right. the first ever Lethway in North America. But you know what they do respond to? They respond to energy. They respond to violence. They respond to incredible athletes doing what they do. So it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't you make up a sport and I'll announce it. I don't give a damn. Like <laughs> it, people respond to what they respond to. So it's, it's amazing. I, I've definitely had some incredible opportunities um, very quickly in my career, which is in, in my opinion, a credit to um, in my opinion, the quality of the work that I do, to be honest with you, that's the level of confidence that I have. And I know that if I haven't been doing the job that I have been, I wouldn't be getting these opportunities. So I'm both, uh, very thankful and I'm, I'm excited for, for even more. So <laughs> heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. A lot of awesome opportunities. You said it's been within 18 months, right? That you've really started yeah. diving in. That's relatively quick. <laughs> grand scheme of things. That's awesome. It does yeah. speak to the quality of work that you bring. And you talk about these opportunities. My last question for you for Cody, big Mo, Mo Marts, right? Big Mo. What do we expect to see from you in the next 18 months? I have the level of confidence that I'm going to sit here and say that I think I can be the biggest ring announcer in the world. I really do. Uh, that is the kind of confidence that I carry myself. Everything that I do in ring announcing uh, is designed to support growing the sport itself. And the only way that that can be done is by bringing in new fans. In my opinion, when it comes to growing the sport, the two most important stakeholders are the fighters and the fans. The fighters, because if it wasn't for the fighters, the sport wouldn't happen. But because of the fans, if it wasn't for the fans, the sport wouldn't grow. So the reality is, is that when you look at combat sports over the last decade, the reason why it's grown in popularity is because organizations and promotions have been doing a very good job at bringing new fans in, specifically with MMA and the UFC, right? And, and other MMA promotions as well. But obviously, the UFC has been the industry leader. So in my opinion, the, the value add that I present is me being a younger demographic. I, as I was a fan of combat sports, specifically in college, I was the only real fan of combat sports in my friend group and on my team for that matter. And what I was noticing is, is I couldn't understand how combat sports wasn't more popular. I was sitting around my teammates. I was putting fights on and I was going, I, I don't get it. When I put a fight on, everyone's watching it. They all love it. They all can resonate with the amount of violence and the excitement and the, and the build of everything. They understand this is a fight. 
that it's going to be exciting. And regardless, when I put a fight on, they would always watch it. So I'm sitting here going, why isn't this more popular? I'm not sitting here saying that I think combat sports will ever topple football. I don't think it ever will. But I'm sitting here going, how is this not bigger? How is this not one of the top viewed sports for 20 to 35 year olds? We love drinking. We love partying. We love excitement. We love showboating. We love violence. How is this not more popular? And so that's something that I'm trying to do is, is I'm trying to get as many more eyeballs onto the sport as possible. I think that there have been phenomenal people in the industry that have done a great job of helping build the sport and help bring in new fans, help get more eyeballs onto the sport because that helps everyone. That helps the fighters, that helps the announcers, that helps the promotions, that helps everything. So when I attack something, I immediately jump to the biggest goal possible. I, I said that before. And so in my opinion, with, with what I'm doing and, and how I'm engaging with the community, I do believe I can be the best announcer in the world. I really do. And I believe I can be on the biggest stage as possible. And I'm going to attack every single day as if I'm doing that. Uh, no discredit to other announcers. I think everyone is fantastic. Everyone is unique in their own, in their own space. I'm going to be unique in mine. And in my opinion, a, a freight train is coming and I'm coming. And I think that I can be the best. And I think that I can get as many fans as possible to love what I do and to feel the excitement and the energy that I want them to feel. I want the fighters to understand that as well when I'm in there. Um, and I'm just going to keep rolling with what I'm doing, man. I, I think that I'm starting to carve out a space in the market for myself. Um, and, and it's exciting, but I'm going to keep rolling with what I'm doing, man. And like I say, call it, call it overconfidence. That's fine. I, I believe I can be the best in the world. And I, and I plan on attacking every single day as if I'm going to be. That's what I like to hear, man. Yeah. I can already see the book. You're going to be writing a book. Youngest, <laughs> biggest stature, uh, best youngest, <laughs> biggest, best. And that's going to be, that's going to be your book. And it'll be out in about, you know, 12 to 18 months already. Written <laughs> for us all. I can't wait for it, man. Um, so oh, man. stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, Cody, big Mo Momarts joining us today. Hey, when we wrap it up, I, I want to know where can we find you? Like where, where, where can yeah. we find more about you? Where can we follow you? Do you got a website, social media outlets and so forth? So we can put them in the description here. Fantastic. First off, um, Shane, thank you, man. Um, it's, it's, I love talking to people that are not only fans of the sport, but they also work in, in sports in general, because you have a different standpoint and a different understanding of things. Um, so I appreciate your time getting on you. You, you do a ton of research. You're very educated on everything. You understand things from different, uh, different viewpoints. And I also want to thank those that are listening to this, um, whether you're listening to it the day it's posted or whether you're listening to it 10 years from now, uh, I appreciate it. You know, the, the fans of sports, you, you all are, are really what drive it all. I mean, you guys are the consumers. You, you, you buy the tickets, you buy the pay-per-views, buy the merchandise, follow the fighters, uh, travel for events. You guys are fantastic. And I believe that the fight fan community is is by far i mean not by far other sports fans are great but but fight fans man it, it's something different that I, that I almost can't explain um the, the 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 depth of of how much you guys love the sport is amazing whether it's a fighter from a country that you're from or someone on the opposite side of the world it doesn't change anything um it's it, it crosses borders it's universal even if you don't speak the language it's amazing. So for the fans that have that have followed me and supported me, thank you. For those that are watching this, thank you. I, I, I hope that even if you don't like me yet, or even if you do like me, that I continue to entertain you. And if for some reason you're not a fan of me now, I hope and pray that I can make you a fan one day 
again, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, one day I hope that you understand what I'm trying to do and you you get on board with it because I think it's going to be amazing. But uh, for those of you that do want to follow me, you can find me on Instagram at big.mo.on.the.mic. So big mo on the mic, all separated by periods. You can find me at Twitter uh, on Twitter at big mo on the mic, no periods. You can visit my website at www.thisisbigmo.com. I do post some content on there, uh, whether it be ring announcing or some of the acting stuff that I do. Um, but once again, guys, um, for those of you listening, thank you so much. You, you all are what make my job fun, and, and you guys have made a, a job available for me. So thank you so much. Baller, man. We're going to put the, the links in the description here so you guys saw it. His Instagram handle is a little bit tougher at first just to hear it, but we'll put it in here and link it there so everybody can check that out. Um, Big Mo on the mic, baby. Let's go. So once again, Cody Big Mo, Mo Marts joining the show. We appreciate you, man. And for all the listeners out there, we appreciate your support so far. If you haven't done so already, if you're new to the show, this is your first time listening because you know you know Big Mo. Awesome. Welcome aboard. Please hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends and family so they can hear it too uh, and learn from, from Big Mo himself. So once again, we'll, we'll be coming to you guys next week with another interview. And we just appreciate your time. And Cody, we'll chat with you next time, man. Hey, man, I hope to have, have you and all these listeners ringside one night. Heck yes, sir. Can't wait. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.